Oh, really quick. I know we have to get going, but so this lady came over today because there's a lady who, like, her daughter is younger than Lucy, but like by just a couple of months, okay, or older. I forget. Anyways, so she always buys Lucy's like old clothes from me, like the clothes oh. that she doesn't fit anymore. So she came over today and she came in and she's like, oh my gosh, your house is so clean. And you know what I was going to say, but I thankfully didn't say it out loud. I was going to say, I know, isn't it going to look good? Like, let's say you (laughs) murdered me right now because you're like a complete stranger that I've invited into my home. And then when the cops come and it'll probably be nighttime before anyone like finds me, they'll use the flashlight and this house will look amazing. That's what I was thinking in my head, but I did not say that to her. I forgot that you went on a cleaning frenzy because you were afraid of what the flashlights would look like when they come to search your house. I'm telling you, Crystal, it's going to look pretty good. And I think you're going to be like, yep, I knew her. (laughs) I am proud to have known her. (laughs) Look at those baseboards. Look at that splatter of blood. That is a clean sample for you because those are dust free right there. (laughs) Don't go in the office. There's some weird art. But the rest of the house, look at it. Also, don't go in the playroom because I don't really clean that one very well, but everything else. So I, oh gosh, well gosh, now I have to think about it. I hope I never get murdered in the playroom because then they'll be like looking with their flashlights and they'll be like, this is pretty. What a crappy mom. <laughs> what a, oh my gosh, the playroom's a mess. What a shitty mom oh she my was. God. I'm so glad that we got this recorded because I was so <laughs> sad that we didn't record. I told you, because remember you were like, uh, should I start yeah. recording before I tell you? I was like, no, no. And then you said that and I was like, God damn it. I wish we had recorded that. So now we Well, we it was just perfect because this lady, she she was here and she's a stranger and like she's like oh my god your house is so clean and I oh wow I was like two seconds away from going you want to know why it's so clean <laughs> because if you kill me <laughs> you're so weird. the police will be very impressed and with you my know home. she's like <laughs> I I don't think I need your daughter's clothes. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go now. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, with Anywho. that, hello. Yes. Hello. And how are you? <laughs> welcome, welcome. Yes. Now we know why Kat keeps her house clean. Oh, my God. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back hello. to Alternative Interests. Do you have a story for me today? Yeah, um, I do. So I was actually going to preface this a little bit for you. Oh, okay. When I was trying to figure out what I wanted to cover this week, nothing nothing was, was really like out. jumping out to me. Yeah. And I feel like if I'm not fully into, and this sounds so bad, but if I'm not like fully into it or I'm not in the right mood, I'm not going to be able to fully invest myself in doing the research. Yeah, I totally get that. So I realized that we have not done a case from Australia yet. So we haven't. No, we haven't. Oh, you're right. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to do a case from Australia because there's such a saturation in the true crime community for United States cases. And, yes. you know, there are Australian true crime podcasts. Case File case is a great file. one. Love Case File. He covers a lot of American Yeah, he covers stuff a lot. Too. Uh-huh. So 
I was like, you know what? I want to cover something that I have never heard of. And so I decided to go to Murderpedia. And I looked at their Australian cases. I think I added about 20 to our list because there was, let me tell you, it was so hard for me to narrow it down to just one because I was like, man, look at all these interesting cases. And that was only the men. I didn't even get a chance to look at the women. So I was finally able to narrow it down. And I think I chose a pretty good one. And I'm excited. And I'm going to let you guess. What what do you think happened when I started researching this? You went down a deep, dark hole. And it's going to be two parts. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's There's so much information. Honestly, I probably could have done like four or five parts on this. For real. Well, this is actually a good time to tell you then. My next case after the next one is a three-parter. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) So it will be the summer of multi-part episodes. You know what? That's fine because people are going (laughs) on trips and they don't like, a lot of people don't like listening to the parts separately. So now we're going to have a whole back catalog for you guys to listen to. There you go. Great. You're welcome. So I am going to be telling the story of Martin John Bryant. He's got three first names. We already know he's fucked up. Of course. And this is going to be the Port Arthur Massacre. Okay. Wow. It's it's gnarly. And I don't actually get to the event today. Um, Today we're going to talk about Martin, his childhood, uh, kind of all of the events leading up to the massacre. And then part two next week, we'll go into the massacre and I'll do a trigger warning then. It is brutal and okay. it's fast and furious. And um, because I think the victims really deserve to be remembered, yeah. I go into a lot of detail with the events as they happened because I think the victims deserve it. Awesome. So, I'm down for it. Not for the victim's suffering, but for yeah i just i remember the uh, the australian government kind of agrees with me and i'll get into that next week okay awesome okay so martin john bryant was born may 7th 1967 to his parents maurice and carlene he was the older of two children and there's not really any information on his sibling i think it was a sister okay i don't know her name I'm not even 100% certain it was a sister. I'm pretty sure just I don't know anything about him or what happened, but I'm pretty sure she doesn't mind Yeah, um, not being connected to him. No doubt. <laughs> so it was very clear from a very early age that Martin was different. Okay. At 16 months old, he would frequently run away from his mother. I feel like in saying that, and knowing that I have no children, uh-huh. I think this is kind of normal for like your your child to run off. They're scampering um, off. Not exactly. Is it not? Okay. And I mean, yeah, kids run, but like, I don't think. I mean, is he packing a bag and running away or is he just running from her when they're out and about? Like they're out and about. So they didn't go into it. I didn't find anything that went into super deep detail in it. Um, It just the number of times I saw it brought up in my different resources. It makes it seem like a a kid might 
wander off. But Martin, I, I wouldn't say that that's a norm. Martin yeah. was like running off all the time. Um, his mother actually called him annoying. <laughs> <laughs> he sounds annoying already. Yeah. So there was that. So, I mean, 16 months old and he's. Yeah, that's a bit young and that's a bit out of the norm. Yeah. So his teachers, when he actually got into school, his teachers noted that he was detached from reality. He was kind of un- unemotional or like unreasonably emotional. Like he, he was showing emotions that didn't fit the scenario. Hmm, and like that sounds a little spectrumy to me. That is really interesting because yeah. way, 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 way later, he was uh-huh. actually kind of diagnosed with Asperger's. And this is like in the early 70s. So this wasn't like as. Yeah, it out wasn't. There. Yeah. Yeah. That's why it's I'm, like way, hmm. way later that he's diagnosed. Okay. But it's okay. interesting that you bring that up. Yeah. So he was disruptive. I, again okay. and again, I saw that he was disruptive and he actually showed some violent tendencies from when he was like an elementary school child. Mm-hmm. There was one story and there are, these stories don't really have n- ages associated with them, but it gives mm-hmm. you an idea of him as a minor that okay. he and a friend were snorkeling once and he just like tried to tear his friend's mask off while they were underwater. Oh, gosh. Um, One report that I saw in several places said that when he was young either like early teens maybe 11 or 12 kind of like really young his dad would give him a gun and he would go and just kill parrots like out of the sky because in australia they're just kind of everywhere yeah like then when the bird had fallen he would walk up to them and then just shoot them several more times yeah, that is also out of the norm. Very, You will see everything about this guy is very yeah, out of the norm. holy moly. And I should say that um, I call this an Australian episode. It actually takes place on the island of Tasmania. Oh, okay. So he was born and raised in on ta- Tasmania. Um, and the whole thing kind of takes place there. Okay. Um, there was another story... <laughs> From around the same time frame that it would take the same gun and he would like shoot at cars just passing by the family farm. Jeez. It's a weirdo. Yeah. And then one time. It just keeps going. It keeps going. So one time when he was 12 years old, he was featured on the evening news. And you would think, like, usually when kids make it on the news, it's for, like, winning a spelling bee or, um, like, being in the 4-H club. No, he was on the news because he set himself on fire. Oh, my word. (laughs) I'm sorry. At 12 years old, he set himself on fire? Like, on purpose? Yes. So the news reporter on, like, on the news, they're like, would you do this again? And he, like, flat, he was like, yeah, I would. Oh, I bet his parents were so proud. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would be like, what the? Like, obviously, we need some help here. Just a little. So, as yeah. unfortunately, as a result of his like really weird behavior, he was severely bullied by classmates. And, I mean, they called him awful names. They, at one point, I saw one report somewhere that said a group of students ganged up on him and almost drowned him one time 
Oh, that's that sucks. And it's really sad. I mean, for as like a wackadoo as he sounds, even at a young age, when kids pick up on that and then, you know, bully and do that stuff, it doesn't help the situation. No, not at all. all. Yeah. When Martin was in, all I saw was quote unquote early years of schooling. I I don't know if this is like elementary school or exactly when. Okay. They determined that he had an IQ of 66. And oh. he, when he got to high school, he was actually put in special education classes. I can't believe it actually took them that long to I, do that. Yeah, I'm not sure what it was that took yeah. them. But again, we're thinking of like the 70s where yeah, they're true. a little slower to pick up on this stuff. They think it's mm-hmm. just the kid acting out, not acting that there's out. anything different about him. Yeah. And he maintained, like, he never really grew out of this. Into his adult years, his IQ stayed at 66. And to give an idea of what an IQ of 66 is, that's essentially the equivalent of an 11-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah. And this is this is when he was in high school? Yeah. Okay. So he was eventually referred for psychiatric treatment several times. And in 1984, Dr. Eric Cunningham Dax described him as uh, mentally retarded and stated that Martin had a personality disorder. He didn't say what it was. He just kind of described it as a vague, he has a personality disorder. Maybe they didn't have, I know they didn't have as broad a spectrum uh-huh. of personality disorders back then maybe like his diagnosis was personality disorder yeah which kind of makes sense with the other stuff that you were saying was happening to him yeah so one of his teachers actually said that martin seemed isolated from i mean he was isolated from the class obviously uh-huh. one specific teacher said that martin was more isolated than the deaf students that were in the same class as him Oh, which that gives you I mean, deaf students in a mainstream school are already kind of other and separate. Martin was even more separate than these kids. Yeah. But at the time, the teacher said that it seemed like Martin preferred it. And it seemed like Martin was happiest when no one bothered him when he was just left alone and he didn't have to interact with anyone. That's when Martin seemed happiest. Well, then leave him alone, I would say. Jeez. I don't know if leaving him alone would have been better or worse, honestly. But if he's happy, especially at that age. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, Look at me. I'm like, oh, good. You like being alone? uh (laughs) Then I'll never talk to you again. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So in 1983, as he was leaving school, and I think this put him at 16 or 17 years old. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't put, I did the math for some reason. It's 83. Yeah. 67. He was about 16 years old. Um, A psychiatric evaluation because he had several. I don't know if he was faking it or not, but the psychiatrist said that it appeared to him that he was completely unable to read or write. Oh no. At 16 years old, which is crazy. That is crazy. And really sad that he was able to get that far in schooling. Well, he also has an extremely low IQ, so that makes sense. And actually, due to how low his IQ was, Martin was actually eligible for disability. So he received received a disability pension for a few years um, when he became an adult and left school. Oh, okay. 
I wonder how did he know that he could get that? I'm sure there was like his parents or social workers. I'm that, pretty sure when they did the psychiatric evaluations, they yeah set they it helped up him out him. with that. Okay, okay, yeah. Um, so during this time, after he was done with school, um, he actually took on a few kind of odd jobs as a handyman or a gardener, mm-hmm. and. Through one of these jobs, he actually met and befriended a woman named Helen Harvey. Um, Helen was much, much older. And Helen was an heiress to the Tattersall's lottery fortune. Oh. I didn't know what that is. I have no idea what that is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. So basically, Tattersall's is a corporation that has a monopoly on the lottery system in Australia. They still exist to this day. And when the company was first started, the way that the corporation was structured was that the children of the original workers would inherit the profits of the company. And these children were known as the Tattersall heirs. Oh, okay. Really interesting. That is interesting. So here in the United States, though, and correct me if I'm wrong, and also this shows how I know nothing, the it's the state that runs the lottery things, right? Because doesn't like some lottery money go to public things? Am you I know, wrong? I'm not really sure. I know that it's um, the state that runs it, and that's some of them are interstate, so I don't know if that makes them federal. Yeah, but it's not private. Yeah, like this. This is private. Yes, that you're this talking is private. About. Yeah. Okay. So a lot of people actually thought this whole Tattersall Air thing was unfair because basically they were profiting from this multi-million dollar company. Yeah. That like just because they were born to the right family, which honestly, that's how corporations work in most places. But the issue here was that this was a publicly funded monopoly on a lottery system. Okay. And that's where people were like, um should these people really be profiting off our gambling? Like people were unhappy about it. Well, I mean, people choose to gamble and just because they started that business, I think I'd be like, yeah, just like anyone born into a rich family. Like that's just, yeah, I guess I can, I, I guess I understand why people were kind of upset about this because if I'm paying Mm -hmm. into a lottery, I expect for all the money to be going back to the winners and not like true, true profits that go to this kid. Yeah. Essentially. True. Um, in 2005, the company actually decided to list the, on the Australian stock exchange and the Tattersall heirs were then allowed to sell their shares in the company if they wanted to. Oh, Okay. And it was in 2005 that all the names of the Tattersall heirs became public knowledge because oh, news media yeah. published it. Mm-hmm. Before then, like some of them were known, but not all of them were known. Interesting. So that's just kind of a tangent that I thought was really interesting because I yeah, wanted to no, know what this was. Yeah. So Helen was known as an eccentric woman who basically hemorrhaged money for no good reason. If you had, if she had it though. Yeah. And I don't think people really judged her for like spending her money. Uh Uh-huh. It was like she bought tons and tons of expensive jewelry, but she didn't like wearing jewelry or. So she just likes spending money. She just loves spending her money. Yeah. Or there was in the span of three years, she bought 30 cars and didn't drive any of them. That's a little odd. Yeah, she just 
when I hemorrhage money. Crazy. See, I mean, obviously she has a ton of it that she doesn't care, but at some point I would be like, I could probably do different things with this. Like if I'm going to spend it on things that I'm not going to buy, I might as well just, or not use, I might as well give it to a charity or something like that. I don't, I mean, she can do what she wants to do. Exactly. But do you know what I'm saying? Like what, I mean, does she, is she buying for like the joy of buying? I, I think it's just she's buying to buy it. Yeah, yeah. I never had that problem, so I don't yeah. know. <laughs> so she and Martin developed a really close relationship. And hmm. when her mother died, she actually invited Martin to come live with her in her mansion. And the mansion was like just around the corner from his parents' house. And I think that's how he ended up working for her is just the proximity. Okay. And she would just spend tons of money on him. Like, same thing. She loves spending her own money. She loves spending it on him. Were they romantically close or just friendship close? You know, some people speculated that um, there might be something a little more than friends. But there was nothing... um, There was nothing ever really solid that... People. I wonder what her draw was to him. That's what I want to know. I think she may have just been a lonely old woman because she was eccentric. I don't, I'm yeah. not really sure. Okay. Okay. That's so a little odd. It is a little odd. But I mean, sh- they were happy. Yeah. More power to them. Unfortunately, uh, the, the mansion they lived in, like, deteriorated into just uh, the most disgusting conditions. Aww. Because she hoarded cats, dogs, birds. Oh. Uh, Martin apparently had this one specific pet pig that he loved that he let uh-huh. sleep in his room with him. Uh-huh. Um, so you That's can imagine gross. how gross this house is. That's disgusting. I think they actually had to replace their carpet in Martin's room three times because of this pig. Well, I hope no one dies in here because that is not going to look good on the police body no. cam. <laughs> no, actually, the RSPCA had to come and force Helen to clean up her house and oh. kind of start getting rid of some of the animals. Yeah. And so they cleaned up the house and ended up with seven dumpsters full of trash that was oh, taken gross. out of the house. That is so much trash. Yeah. But there was actually, and I don't know how they know this, but someone ended up going like through the dumpsters. There was cash working TVs and other oh valuables gosh. just kind of mixed in with everything. It's Jeez. like they must have done what I did with my townhouse when I moved out of it. Uh-huh. And like, well, I don't need these dishes in the place I'm going. <laughs> They're going in the trash. I'm not going to use this. Yeah. I just, I feel like they went in a room and they were just like, throw everything out. And whoever was dumpster diving that day had a good time. Day. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. So sometime after this cleanup, they actually actually ended up moving to a country town, this cute little town called Copping. Okay. And I don't think the isolation was the best thing for Martin because his behavior got increasingly erratic. Oh, no. Not long after moving out there, the neighbors actually started complaining about Martin prowling around their houses at night. Oh, gosh. And... 
he was just kind of a nuisance to the town. Like one time he was kicked off a bus for harassing a young schoolgirl. So after he gets kicked off, he hails a cab and then he tells the cab driver to follow the bus so that he could like get he up <laughs> and, and like abuse the driver. Oh my gosh. And then, um, come on, Martin. Yeah. Go home. And then, well, don't go home because another oh. time he was reported for threatening a neighbor with a rifle. Oh gosh. So obviously like he, I'm going to tell you right now, he has an obsession with firearms and weapons. Oh, it, well, I mean, that came from his parrot shooting days, obviously. Obvi- I mean, it gets worse. Oh, gosh. Um, so many people like in Helen's life and Martin's life say that the years he spent living with her were the happiest of his life. Aww. Which I think is so sweet, given like his horrible childhood experiences. Yeah. And then Helen died in a tragic <gasps> car accident in October 1992. Oh, so like his best friend died. Essentially, basically. some mm-hmm. people think that Marvin caused the accident. Oh, no. Apparently, now think of this. Remember, Martin has, I don't know why I said Marvin. I wrote Marvin in my notes. I know, yeah. Martin... Uh, remember, he's got the mind of an 11-year-old. Okay. He would play a prank while Helen was driving where he would just yank on the steering wheel. Oh. Was a- he in the car with her when this happened? Yes. Oh. Apparently, this prank was so well-known and so frequent, Helen refused to drive any faster than 35 kilometers an hour. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. How annoying, by the yes! way. Yes! Like, I would I never even take him in the here. car with me. Yeah. So um, Martin was investigated and he said that it was her dogs running around loose in the car that made her lose control. And Martin was cleared of any involvement. Really? And, but to this day, people still think that he's the reason she died. Well, I mean, you never know. Really sad. That is sad. But... Helen named Martin as her sole beneficiary in her wheel in her will with um, his father acting as trustee over the estate. Oh, wow. So Martin actually inherited a mansion, the one that um, was just around the corner from his parents house, along with assets worth over half a million dollars. Jeez, I wonder how her family felt about that. I don't know if she had a ton of family. I think the whole thing is like she didn't have anybody. Jeez. And she scored, though. Holy moly. Yeah. And I looked up an inflation calculator. This was just about one point one million dollars in today money. Oh, wow. Which is insane. That's so much. Yeah. And his father's the trustee. Yes. So basically his dad kind of controls the way he spends. Yeah. Yeah. I could not find a specific year this happened, but his father actually took an early retirement so that he could take care of Martin. And I think, I think this actually happened while Martin was still in school. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, in August of 1993, Martin's father disappeared under very mysterious circumstances. Oh, no. This is less than a year after Helen dies. 
And his father is the trustee, so yes. controlling the money. Oh, so gosh. I don't know who found the note, but there was a note on the front door of uh, the father's house. All it said was call the police. Oh. So I don't know who called, but they responded. And Martin was just trimming the grass in the yard when police arrived. Okay. So ambulance officers responding to the call described Martin as unconcerned by what was going on. But he was Uh like really excited to search for his father. Not like, oh, man, I really got to find my dad. I'm worried about him. But like, man, I'm part of like CSI now. Like, so Martin didn't even see the note on the door. No one knows who called 911, but he's there and his dad is. Oh, I'm sure he saw the note. That's odd. I just don't know who called. Okay. Unfortunately, Maurice was found face down in a dam on the family's property with a weighted diving belt wrapped around his neck. Oh, my goodness. His car was found nearby with a suicide note and a large sum of cash inside. And the cash was meant to go to Martin. You know what? This is like, I I could see from the police officer's point of view, the police who are investigating this, especially with Martin with such a low IQ, I bet that gives them an easy pass. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, oh, he couldn't have done that. Oh, I bet. Like, you know, interesting. Well, Maurice's death was ruled a suicide. Hmm. And uh, Martin was left a large sum of money from Maurice too. There's not a whole lot of information about what his mother has been doing this whole time. Yeah. I was going to ask about his mom. She comes back in the picture right after the father's death, she okay. applied for guardianship of his assets. And she wants the money. Yeah. So she's essentially the trustee of his estate. They mm-hmm. gave it to her because of Martin's quote unquote, diminished intellectual capacity. That sucks. It's time for mom to go. Oh, geez. <laughs> um, thankfully, I don't think she ever did go. Oh, good. Cause if she did, I think then the police would be like, oh, I don't know. Right. Um, So after his father died, Martin just spent a lot of his time traveling extensively. Okay. um, Internationally and throughout Australia, he made an estimated 30 trips in the next several years. Oh, wow. That's a lot. That is a lot. So a lot of people speculate he was really just seeking social contact. I mean, he lost his best friend. And people just kind of reacted real negatively to him. Yeah. Which made him frustrated because um, I'll get into it in a in a minute. But he was a weird dude. Weird. What guy. did he do when he traveled to these places? Just traveled and was a tourist, basically? Essentially. And he loved to talk. Okay. If you were sitting next to him, he would talk to you. If you were passing by him, if you were standing in line next to him, if you were serving him his coffee at a coffee shop, he talked to you. And he was Jeez. weird. Yeah. Um, So uh, some of the places that he is known to have traveled to are Singapore, Bangkok, London, Sweden, Los Angeles, Frankfurt, Copenhagen, Tokyo, Poland, all around Australia and the United Kingdom. Man, world traveler. Yeah. Lots and lots of places. 
But he would also frequently like make last second changes on his flights and uh-huh. his he was a little harder to track that way. I have a feeling he may have done that so that his mother didn't know where he was. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He also. Wow. For someone who they say is not very smart. He's kind of smart. He's just doing. I mean, he's impulsive. He's doing a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. He also withdrew several thousand dollars over these few years and he used the cash to buy guns. And then since he is spending so much money so quickly, uh, the trustee on his estate, his mother, restricted his funds and his access to them. And Martin kind of couldn't travel as much. Uh Uh-oh. So in mom put a stop to that. Yeah. um, In this time, he was not the luckiest with the ladies. Um, his version at trying to approach women, he didn't have any discrimination on age. Uh, he frequently approached children, which is disgusting. Yeah, that is gross. He would make lewd comments about their, like, literally his version of, like, flirting in a pickup line was to come up to you and make a lewd comment about your appearance and then say something about his sexual preferences, which included bestiality. Ew. Yeah. Not Gross. someone I would want to talk to. No, he needs a new pickup lines. Yeah, apparently this wasn't endearing to the women he talked to. Shocker. So he had to turn to hiring sex workers to come to his house. That's what Ugh. all these guys end up doing. Yeah. Many of the women said they refused to go back because they found him creepy. Oh. Why does that make me sad? It, I don't it know, is like, that, that even a, like yeah, uh, someone who's being paid to kind of yeah pretend that they're they're saying him not just him they said him and his house were creepy. Wow. Well, I hope the pig's not still in the bedroom. No, they different house now. Okay. Yeah, much cleaner. Okay. He, um, I didn't include this in my notes, but apparently he had over 200 teddy bears just like strewn throughout the house. Okay. That, yes, that is creepy. A little weird. A little odd. How old is he right now? He is, uh, 22, I believe. Yeah, that's odd. Okay. Yeah. So getting towards 1994, he actually met a girl named Janetta. Oh. Janetta and Martin's mothers both attended the same church. And one okay. day Martin was giving Janetta's mom a ride home. Really random. He bought some ice cream for Janetta and her mom and made a milkshake for Janetta. Okay. <laughs> like really random. Um, All right. Janetta said she thought he was very, very, very nice. Too okay. nice. Yeah. So when Martin asked her to go on a date with him, she was like, yeah, no thanks. Yeah, I I think I would have to agree with Janetta on that. Yeah, it's just that whole like you're you're a little too nice and I'm not feeling it. So yeah, thanks. But no, thanks. And there's probably a vibe there that she's feeling a creepy vibe. Well, so she and Martin didn't really run into each other again for over a year Okay. She said the next time she ran into Martin, he looked completely different. Oh. She said he was wearing a bandana and he was wearing a jacket. She said he looked like uh, the jacket was from the movie Bad Boys that had come out uh-huh. in 1995 with Will Smith. Yeah. 
so she was like, he looked really cool and he seemed nothing like the nice, nice, nice guy that I met before. Oh, all she needed was a bandana and a, and a I bad guess, boy's well, jacket. Well, he had like noticeably gained muscle. He okay. had grown his hair out. And if you see a picture of him, which I actually have one in my notes of the two of them for you that I'll post oh, on Instagram. Yeah. He's he's kind of cute. Like he's got this I mean, kind of shaggy hair. He had these really striking blue eyes. Everyone commented on his eyes. And of course, it doesn't hurt that he's rich. Yeah, I can kind of see it a little bit. And this picture isn't like the best best. There's actually other pictures of him um, where you can see it a little better that like he's kind of cute. He, uh, um, I mean, I'm not going to say that he is 100. I'm not attracted to him. You know who he looks like? He looks like a younger version of Gerard Depardieu. Do you know who that is? No. Of course you don't. He's Sorry. an actor. Whatever. <laughs> um, so he asked her out again and she decided to give him a shot. Like he seems okay. completely different. He's very clean cut. He's dressing nice. Well, he has and, a bandana now. And he, uh, he's got muscle. He's got okay. money. So she's uh-huh. like, let's give it a shot. Yeah. They ended up dating for eight months. Wow. But Janetta said that he could be childish and a little bit odd, which mm-hmm. what we've heard of Martin makes sense. She said he had weird tastes in videos. And oh, um, that included a video he brought back from a trip he took to Scandinavia. Uh-huh. Which was essentially bestiality porn. No, thank you. I guess he was also like obsessed with Nightmare on Elm Street as well as Child's Play 2. Oh my god. Child's Play 2 was his favorite movie. Of all the movies you could be obsessed with. <laughs> I uh, he would go on and on about Chucky. And like the plot of this Chucky doll killing people so that Chucky could live and you know how kids so ridiculous kids especially do this or like really immature guys and girls when you Uh hear like a movie quote that you think is hilarious you just say it all the time yeah and then it gets old and people ask you to stop you know what quote he repeated from child's play 2 over and over and over go tell me don't fuck with the chuck Oh, my God. Martin. <laughs> and he thought this was hilarious. And he would say it all the time. Oh, Martin. So um, at one point, Martin and Janetta went on a boating trip together. Uh-huh. And he bought a motorized dinghy and thousands of dollars of brand new scuba gear just for this boating trip they were going to take. Okay. One of the days they were going out, the water was like really choppy. And Janetta was like, maybe... Maybe we shouldn't go out. Yeah. And he was like, no, we're going. And so they're out on the water. It's scary as hell. And she was like, can we please just like slow down a little? And it she ends up begging him to slow down. And he's just driving like a maniac. Probably driving like a maniac and quoting those dumb quotes. Don't fuck from- with Chuck. Yeah, yeah I bet. exactly. Oh, my Ugh, God. So annoying. she said he would go so fast. And there was this look in his eyes. She oh. said, quote, it was like he was going insane. No fear. Absolutely none. Ugh. Which is no, like, thank you. I can picture that look in my head. And that's terrifying. Oh, yeah. 
I only found this story in one article, but it mentioned that there was a trip that Martin took with a girlfriend where they got stuck in, um, I didn't write the name of it, but the straight, um, it's the body of water between Australia and Tasmania. Uh huh. They went out on a dinghy and apparently like they were just stu- like for whatever reason they mu- they ran out of gas or something and they were stuck in the middle of the water. A fisherman happened to rescue them and he was just completely like, yeah, cool. We're fine. Like when- so weird. Yeah. And I don't know if this was with Janetta. I suspect it was with Janetta. Okay. I think it may have been this trip, but I only saw the report one place, so I can't be completely certain. Okay. After this trip, they went on another one, like immediately after. It was like a couple days mm-hmm. to a place called Surfer's Paradise. It's this uh, beach town on the Gold Coast in Queensland, which okay. is on the mainland in Australia. She said his behavior on this trip was like even more strange And it was like he would pay a weird amount of attention to the male surfers on the beach. Like he would just stare at them. And then weird. And then they went out to a bar and I guess a bar attendant was like asking Janetta for ID and she didn't have any on her at the time for whatever reason. And uh-huh. he like threatened the bar attendant. And so Janetta, Janetta, like when they came back from that trip, she just essentially she ghosted him. Like, well, he, she should have done that a long time ago, but okay. Yeah. And, um, I don't, I don't know why maybe, I don't know. Maybe it was just, this is the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. He kept asking her out and she was just like, Oh no, thanks. No, thanks. And following the massacre, Janetta actually said when she heard about it, she said, I wasn't surprised he'd done something. He's not right. Oh. So that, I mean, that's sad. That is. But also, why is it so obviously apparent that someone could be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, especially if you've been with someone for eight months. I mean, I know that you know them, but... Like, how how do you wait that long then? Eight months with someone when she clearly knew there was something not right with him. I'm more thinking there's something clearly not right with him that she can see it. And she's like, oh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me for a second. Why did no one prevent this? Like, how did it not? Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. And why did she stay with him so long, too? I'm not going to question why she stayed with him because everybody has their reasons. It was the money. Yeah, it might have been. I don't want to judge her. Like, I know I've stayed with people way longer than I should have because I'm dumb. And then you also think you can fix people, too. And then you're also like, it's also like, man, we have this good thing going. It's it's good. Besides that, there's tons of reasons that she could have stayed. I don't want to judge her for any of them. You're right. I do. But you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So following this breakup Martin ended up changing his image again Because remember he changed it the first time To kind of look like bad boys Uh huh. Um, He changed it again He grew his hair out more And he began dressing in like Trendy surfer brands He wanted Uh to look like a surfer dude And he would frequently hang out on the sand Of like popular surfing beaches And watch Uh surfers Okay 
But his surfboard would never leave his roof rack on his car because he didn't actually know how to surf. He just wanted to look the part. Oh, Martin. So in February of 1996, Martin actually began dating another girl. So at this point, Martin is 27 years old and her name was Petra Wilmot and she was 20 years old. Okay. And he met her because he was advertising for a part-time gardener for his property. All right. Petra was a horticulture student and Martin was her first boyfriend. Oh, Petra said that Martin would make her drive him to the scene of car crashes so he could get his kicks. Oh. And that she said he was always looking for action and he would get bored if he couldn't get any. So it sounds like he needs constant stimulation. In the worst way. Yeah. And Petra also said, really sad, she said he didn't have many friends. He was gentle and kind and he'd look after me. Oh, okay. I mean, that's kind of sweet, but also like sad. Yeah. So during the time he and Petra were together, he was able to purchase multiple guns. The reports differ everywhere on what exactly he bought in this time. All I know is that he bought several battle rifles, several shotguns. He bought an AR-15 and he bought... It's one of two things. It's either an FNFAL... Or an A1S1. Man, I'm going to get it wrong. Give me a second. L1A1SLR. Yeah. And none of that means anything to me. So Uh, so an (sighs) AR-15 is basically the every war movie you've ever seen. The machine gun they're holding. The Mm -hmm. semi-automatic. That's an AR-15. Okay. Also, it could be an AR-16. But that gives you an idea of what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, The FNFAL... Or the L1A1 SLR. They're both actually the same type of gun. They're a European battle rifle. That was really, really popular after the Cold War. Oh. The only difference is one of them's made in Belgium. The other one's made in the UK. So So he's obviously a collector. He's not like using these out in like a shooting range or anything. Yet. Oh, God. Um, In April of 1996, he was in the market for a sports bag. And while shopping, he told the clerk helping him that it needed to be strong enough to carry large amounts of ammunition. Uh And he measured, like with a tape measure, several bags before finally settling on one. So, like, he's paying a lot of attention to this bag. Um... As far as personal connections, he really didn't make any friends. I was, remember I was saying, like, he talked to people who had the misfortune of sitting near him or being near him. Yeah, yeah. Or serving him. And uh, he was actually a nuisance to, uh, it was called the Broad Arrow Cafe on, uh-huh. in Port Arthur. And uh, I guess his sibling worked there. And the siblings' friends kind of work there. And all of them were like, Martin was a nuisance at this cafe. Like, he didn't work there. He just hung out there all the time. So, in the days leading up to the Port Arthur massacre, Martin Uh visited Port Arthur several times. And Port Arthur, so interesting. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I could spend a full episode going into the history of Port Arthur. 
Port Arthur. Yeah. I'll give a really brief overview. Okay. Um, Port Arthur is a historic site that is recognized by UNESCO as a World Heritage Site. Oh, okay. Um, For people who don't know, a World Heritage Site is recognized by UNESCO, the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization. And these are basic... It is. That's why it's just UNESCO. UNESCO. There are sites globally that are recognized for having some kind of cultural, historical, or other form of significance. Okay. A couple examples are Yellowstone, Vatican City, Yosemite National Park, Statue of Liberty, the Taj Mahal, the Great Barrier Reef. Um, so it, it covers a broad spectrum of things, but these are protected sites. Okay. Worldwide, there are currently 1,121 World Heritage Sites. Oh, wow. I know. I didn't realize it was that many. I didn't either. There's so many. Port Arthur is significant because it's actually part of a series of penitentiaries in Australia that Uh were among the first in documented history to be built with the labor of incarcerated people. Okay. So Port Arthur was established in 1830 as a timber camp. And basically they used convicts to go and um, be lumberjacks. To oh, okay. to produce logs that were then used for government projects. Oh. Starting in 1833, Port Arthur was basically a punishment station for repeat offenders all across Australia. Oh. Basically, if you were like the worst of the worst, uh-huh. you went to Port Arthur. Oh, gosh. The Port Arthur authorities, they used the theory that hard work broke you down and reformed you. Oh, uh, that doesn't exactly work a lot not of the really, time. Not for everybody. They on their the Port Arthur website, it says many men, many men were broken by their methodologies. They say many were rehabilitated and left with education and experience in skilled labor. So okay. basically some men were just completely broken by this system. Others learned and were rehabilitated. Yeah. Um. Port Arthur itself was a prison community. It had over 30 buildings and it was not only for the inmates and the guards, but it was also for military and civilian officers and their families all lived on Port Arthur. Okay. In 1853, it kind of changed and it became a place that was more for like aging and physically and mentally ill. Uh-huh. So instead of being like a punishment penitentiary, this was more of like a go there to die penitentiary, oh, which is really sad. Geez, yeah. By 1877, the settlement closed. Okay. So today, Port Arthur is a major tourist attraction. They offer various events, markets, tours. You can walk through the Port Arthur ruins. Um, they have a, for example, they have a 25 minute harbor cruise where you get on this ferry and you actually go around the island and you see, they kind of point out different sites to you, uh-huh. like the boys prison and the Isle of the Dead. Okay. The Isle of the Dead. So cool. So it's, it's this little island off of Tasmania and off of Port Arthur that was essentially the cemetery for the people of Port Arthur. So it's called the Isle of the Dead and the whole island is a um, is a cemetery and they actually do private tours on the island. Okay. Really cool. 
That is kind of neat. I want to go there. Honest, like, and that's just like barely scratching the surface. The whole history of this place is so interesting. But that's enough to give you an idea of what we're talking about here. Yeah. March 13th, 1996. There was a mass shooting in the small town of uh, Dunblane in in Scotland. Okay. Um, The Dunblane... I'm pronouncing that wrong, probably. I'm really sorry. Um, The Dunblane Primary School. 16 students and one teacher were killed by a lone gunman. Oh, no. And the press coverage of this event was global. Oh, A lot of people think that this event was one of the major factors that led to Martin doing what he did. Oh, no. So this brings us to April 28th, 1996. This is just six weeks after that Dunblane shooting. Okay. Martin was living in the mansion he had inherited from Helen. And that morning at 6 a.m., his alarm went off. His girlfriend had been staying the night with him, Petra. Yeah. And, um... His family members and Petra all said that it was really weird that he had an alarm. They were like, he never used an alarm ever. He didn't have a job. He didn't have any kind of commitments because he's rich as hell. Yeah, so why would he need an alarm? Yeah. Yeah. So that was the first thing that they were like, okay, this is weird. Um, Petra left the house at 8 a.m. to go visit her parents. And Martin left the house uh, after her he engaged the alarm system on the house so okay. the alarm system registered the time as nine forty-seven is when he left all right when he left home he had left a lot of ammunition just laying around the house oh in in the hour and a half between when petra left and when he left he'd done a lot of work okay later petra said she had never seen guns or ammo in the house Real? Where was he keeping them? Before? I have no idea. She okay. didn't actually live with him. She stayed with him frequently. She didn't oh, live so there. Oh, so he could have been keeping them in a closet or whatever. It's right. Not like she would have known. Okay. But keep this in mind because given the number of guns and the amount of ammunition he had, it's just crazy to me that she didn't know this existed. That's yeah. That's why I'm like, that's odd. Yeah. Um. So around ten thirty, he went to a midway. Midway Point News Agency. I think this is a convenience store. Um, That's a weird name for a convenience store. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. I just saw one place said that this is the name of the place he went. I don't know if this is like a newsstand or something. Uh-huh. I think it might be a convenience store because he asked if they sold cigarette lighters. Okay. They said yes, so he goes out to his car. He grabbed some money and then he went back in. He bought. He bought the lighter with um, the source called it a large note. Um, I don't know how much money it was. It was enough for them to call it a large note. Uh Uh-huh. Definitely way more than the lighter cost. But he didn't get his change. He just like gave them this ton of money and then walked away. All right. So then he continued on and he went to the Sorrel supermarket where he bought a can of tomato sauce. Um, This time he used actually a normal amount of money. And then he continued on to a place called Forset Village. And I don't know if this was a shopping center, I think. He got there around 11 a.m. Okay. He stopped at a gas station and he bought a cup of coffee. And um, 
he bought it with change, like nickels and dimes. Okay. Yeah, essentially. It, they said five and ten cent coins. Um, and he has a lot of money, but okay. Which is weird. Yeah. And he just kind of mentioned, like I said, if you had the misfortune of crossing paths with him, he just chatted you up. Yeah. Um, he casually mentioned that mentioned he planned to go surfing that day. Just and, to the, randomly to the person? Yeah. The cashier? Okay. And the attendant said, they're like, it was a calm day. That's not a good day for surfing. Like, there's no waves. It okay. just, it really stood out to the attendant that they were like, um, okay, dude, you go surf. Yeah. So then he, he went to another gas station. Um, and it was, it was called the Convict Bakery. I don't know <laughs> if he chose this because it was ironic or. That's an interesting name for a bakery. Yeah. Um, apparently this is like a really well-known place in port arthur like in the so, on the port so arthur funny. website they mentioned this place that's so funny yeah so that he bought about 15 dollars worth of gas uh-huh um i think he put it in a container he didn't put it in his car he had it like in a container oh the attendant at the gas station said he saw martin just like staring at the water mm-hmm. he said that he saw a surfboard strapped to the top of his car and this, a different attendant also said that it was a calm day and that it was poor surfing conditions. So two different people now have been like, this is not a day for surfing. I don't know what you're expecting here. Yeah. Also, <laughs> I have to mention, this is a lot of stops and I'm exhausted. Like, I know that I'm saying what I, I was just thinking, what is this guy doing? Yeah, I just I'm I'm one of those people that like. I make one stop on my way home and that's annoying. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I cannot exactly. imagine he's stopping all these places. No, that's what I'm thinking. Then he he continues on to a place called Seascape. And witnesses said that this was about 1145. Okay. Um, this is this is so sad. Apparently, before his dad died, his dad had tried to purchase Seascape. It's this um, from what they called it a guest house. Mm-hmm. And from what it looks like, it looks like it was kind of a bed and breakfast kind of place. Really, really cute. OK, I guess his dad had tried to buy it. But before he could get his finances fully in order, this other couple named David and Sally Martin purchased it first oh um i guess at the time martin tried to buy one of their other houses to like buy he went to david and sally and were like you have this other house over here can i buy this for my dad and they're like nope no thanks okay apparently um losing this property seascape disappointed his dad so much people actually thought this was a trigger for his apparent suicide oh really yeah it was he was very upset that he didn't get to buy this house and i think that is so sad it is sad martin went inside seascape he fired several shots and he proceeded to gag and stab david martin oh no and this is kind of when things start start oh why what is the reasoning um, we'll get into that next week. Okay. Um, I because I'm I'm only going into like this little bit because it doesn't really ramp up until later. Okay. All right. Um. So Martin walks out of the house 
and mm-hmm. he and couple he encountered this couple who were actually arriving at Seascape to like rent a room. Oh. And they come up on Martin and they're like, oh, hey, um, can we get a look inside? Because we kind of want to rent a room, but we want to see if we like it first. Martin said no. And he was like, my parents are out and my girlfriend's inside. So no. Okay. And the couple said that Martin was like extremely rude and he made them uncomfortable. So they left. They said this was about 1235 p.m. when they drove away. They also said as they were leaving, Martin's uh, Volvo, it was a yellow Volvo, was backed like right up to the front door. Uh huh. To me, this sounds like he was uh, loading something. Yeah. Police actually believe that at this point, Martin was unloading ammunition from his car into CSAPE. I, I, what's his end game here? Oh, uh, we'll learn. You keep asking. That. I can't. I'm not I know. It. I know. But it's like now I just want part two. <laughs> Sorry. I need to know what this wackadoo is doing. So Martin took the keys to Seascape. He locked the doors and he drove down to Port Arthur. Okay. Based on witness accounts of what happened, it's believed that both David and his wife were dead when Martin left the house. Oh, no. Um, this next part, I think, just illustrates how deeply lonely Martin was. Mm-hmm. As he was driving down to Port Arthur, um, there was a car stopped on the side of the road because their engine had overheated. He pulls up behind them. He gets out of his car and he just starts chatting with them. Okay. And he said, you know, you guys should come down to the Broad Arrow Cafe for some coffee later. He just like invites them to like, hey, I'll be down there. Come on down. So weird. So this kind of keep this in mind because knowing what happens later and what he's about to do, it is so weird to me. I think this is him being super relaxed and super giddy about what he has planned. Okay. So from here, I don't understand why, but Martin goes back to the guest house. Like he leaves these people on the side of the road. He goes back to Seascape. And he actually runs into a guy there. And at first, um, Martin kind of does a double take. Uh-huh. And he's like, man, this is a guy he knew from 15 years prior. I don't I don't really know how they knew each other. But like it was well enough that the guy was like, oh, Martin. Hey, weird. Like, yeah. I don't know what the entire conversation was because it was honestly really convoluted. Uh-huh. But it basically consisted of Martin bullshitting with the man about possibly buying Seascape from David and Sally. But he also okay. wanted to talk to a neighbor like further down the road. Something about like buying cattle from them. Okay, that's odd. Police speculate that he was actually planning on killing everyone on this street. And it was it was the fact that he knew this man that stopped him. Interesting. So eventually, Martin was like, oh, I'm going to go talk to that neighbor right there. Uh, how are they? How do you think they're doing? The man, something was tickling the back of his brain because he said, you know what? Let me go walk down there with you. And oh. Martin was like, oh, no, no, no. I'll just come back later. It's fine. Because that's not weird. Yeah. 
like I said, people think there was something about his personal connection with this man that was like a genuinely personal connection that made him change his mind and not kill the neighbors. If you follow the theory that it was immense loneliness and social isolation that caused Martin to carry out this massacre, I think it makes sense that the personal connection is what stopped him here. Yeah, that, that does make sense. So, and I forget, did he recognize the other guy first or did the guy recognize him first? I think it was kind of mutual. Okay, so they were like, oh, we know each other. It was okay. like, a, oh, man, I haven't seen yeah. you in 15 years. Like, Well, yeah. thank God he recognized him. Right. Yeah. Not soon enough, unfortunately, for David and Sally. Oh, that's too bad. Um, at 1.10 p.m., Martin was in line, like his car was in line at a toll booth to pay to get into the Port Arthur tourist Mm -hmm. grounds. Apparently, he got right up to the front of the line and then he pulled out and went all the way to the back of the line. Okay. I don't understand why someone didn't see this and like go tap on his window and be like, sir, are you okay? Is there something going on here? Everyone was just like, meh, he's fine. That's so weird. Weird. So he gets back up to the front of the line. He pays and he enters the park and he made some weird comment that he's like, oh, someone almost reversed and hit me. Um, And that's why I went around. But that like. What? That makes no sense. Like what the fuck? Zero sense. Yeah. Dude. Okay. So he proceeds in. He parks his car near the water. Um, which was, there was a car park around the Broad Arrow Cafe. And then there was this kind of camper area right next to that. Okay. He parked in the area that was reserved for campers. So a security manager comes out and walks up to him and says, excuse me, sir, this, this place is for campers. We need you to move. So he moves his car into the car park area. He sits in his car for a couple minutes and then he goes right back to where he was parked before where the guy told him not to park okay what a wackadoo well and i'm like like excuse me fuckwad did you not hear me when i told you not to park here yeah apparently the security manager just didn't feel like talking to him a second time and just let him stay there so weird so weird The security manager said that he saw him walking towards the cafe carrying a large sports bag and a video camera. Okay. Um, Also, remember, this is the cafe that he told the people on the side of the road that they should come and have coffee at. Oh, that's right. Uh Uh-oh. Okay. So he, he, he goes inside. And he purchases quite a bit of food in the cafe. He takes it outside. They have this deck um, at the front of the building. Mm-hmm. And he eats outside on the, the deck. Witnesses that day actually commented on the amount of food that he bought because they said it was like a large amount of food. Okay. Like more than one person would usually eat. It was like, it was enough that it drew attention. <laughs> All right. Um. He commented to people around him. He was just like, oh, I'm just hungry from surfing. But like, we've already established that this was he not a hasn't, Yeah, he, he didn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't know. To me, this feels like his version of a last meal. Oh, I didn't even think about that. That's what this feels like to me. 
Yeah. So he did kind of that weirdo thing that people do in public. And this gives you an idea of what he was like when he was traveling. Where you just kind of start talking out loud as if you're talking to someone else. Uh But you're just waiting for someone to react and talk with you. Yeah. Um, this kind of like, uh, this weirdo guy did this to me in the grocery store, um, like a couple weeks ago. And I was like, he kept getting closer and closer to me. And I just like, I'm just, I was ignoring him. I'm like, man, dude, can you just just go? No one wants to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Um, basically witnesses said he was mumbling it to himself (laughs) about wasps and wasps. Uh, he, uh, there's a lot of wasps out today and, uh, He was like swatting At wasps um, And then his He said um, He was making comments like There's not a lot of Japanese tourists out here today Basically um, he's saying things to Wait for someone to respond Yes, yeah. yes. and uh-huh. I will say He he said there's not a lot of Japs Out here today Oh, um, But that's that's rude um, So yeah. he was just making tons of comments like there's not a lot of japanese tourists here here today did anyone respond to him no okay people were just like essentially what i did to the guy who was standing behind me i'm like dude will you just like eat your food go away yeah exactly so um upon finishing his food Martin takes his tray and he goes to carry it back inside to return it like a decent person like Good humans return their carts and they return their trays. He was still carrying this big sports bag and his camera. Uh So people were actually really nice and they held the door for him. Witnesses were like, yeah, I held the door open for him so he could get inside. Uh Uh-huh. He returns his tray uh, to the proper area and then he sets this sports bag down on a vacant table. Uh. And that's where I'm going to stop. No! Just tell me. (laughs) Tell me. We're already over an hour into this. Tell me what he does next. I will next week. You learn with everyone else. No, I protest. It's just, I don't even have my notes posted. You're not allowed to Google spoilers. I I saw that. You're at the end. Well, you know, I'm thinking about it. I won't. It is. I'll say it again. It is awful. Can you just confirm if he does or does not have a kitten in the bag that he's going to let everyone pet. There are no kittens. Oh, damn and it. there's no pets. Damn it. Don't you yeah. love how I act surprised when like things aren't going to end well? <laughs> like, let me guess. He has a cake in the bag and his oh, friend I is will, there and he's going to wish him say, happy birthday. Um, I'm not completely done researching part two. Okay. I actually just found something that made me like slightly um, happy. Oh, wow. Uh, Martin's not doing too hot. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's good to know. So, um, all right. Yeah, that's where I will leave you. Okay. And uh, don't Google spoilers. I won't. And I will tell you next week about the horrible events of that day. I'm excited. I can't wait. Oh, man. Yeah. All right. I think that's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. um, You know, uh, if you are listening to part one and part two at the same time, then you could just go and listen to it right now. 
Um, you know, a lot of people, I actually do that when I listen to I podcasts. If it's a two-parter, I'll wait till the second part. Yeah, because I I really hate uh, having the, the space between the two. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, we don't have any kind of system set up to release episodes early to folks. Yeah. Hopefully one day. But uh, you have to wait for part two. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, enjoy waiting along with me. Yep. Um, Um, We will see you next week for part two. Have a great morning, day, afternoon, or night. Workout, work, drive, walk, dentist, all of it. Dentist? (laughs) I don't know. Actually, do people listen to things at the dentist? You could. I mean, some people watch movies at the dentist because they have it there. So I would assume. Can you have stuff on your ears when you're at the dentist? I don't know. I've never tried. Oh. There's maybe I need to go to the dentist and try. I mean, I'm overdue. I need to go. Yeah, I'm way overdue. I'll ask them. Okay. Let's figure See that you out. See next week, guys. <laughs> we'll let you know. Bye-bye. Bye. Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. Bye.